Hi, Jeannie Patel-Thompson here with Kezia Nagata for another Listen to Your Horse podcast. And today is going to be a lot of storytelling by Kezia (laughs) because she has just taken the lads and her Mustang filly on a bit of an adventure. So Kezia, why don't you start by telling us the story and let's back up to when Juno... um, popped himself onto your driveway (laughs) okay well I normally uh, I don't live on the farm I live about 10 minutes away but my mom does so I was I normally do evening chores and my um my mom texts me updates and stuff and then (laughs) um she texted me that that Juno was breaking down the fence um, and you can tell how used we are to crisis at this point because it was like there's no alarm it was just like okay Juno's just taking apart the fence he wants to eat the grass on the other side of it when I showed up at that point Juno had taken five or six rails off of the fence oh my god because it's a section where we have um, much thinner boards mm. and as, as my mom said he just popped them like shirt buttons <laughs> And he's standing on the driveway munching the nice long grass that grows on the driveway. So all this spring I've been watching the ditch grass, the verge grass, the the grass outside the fence grow foot by foot by foot every time we get a bit of sunshine and the pasture grass stays low. So we knew our pasture was stressed already. We didn't know how bad it was. So this summer, uh, this spring, even though we held them back and fed them hay for longer, um, the grass just hasn't picked up, it hasn't recovered. Um, I've even tried rotational grazing and the cows and horses have let me know how much they, they appreciate that by breaking down my electric fences every day. So it's all been a bit of a grazing fiasco and Judo said enough is enough, we need better grass Mm. and that by calmly he didn't even break the rails he just popped them (laughs) off (laughs) of their nails (laughs) how considerate and stepped over them and for some reason the rest of the herd stayed on the correct side of the 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 fence well um, and and that's the really remarkable thing for me when you told me what happened and and sent me the picture is that the fence was so low all the rest of the horses could have just stepped over it or just a little bunny hop and they would have been over. And there's no way Jackson Montaro would not have followed him. So the fact that they didn't is what alerted me to the fact that, ah, this is not a horse busting out for better grass. This is a message. Like they're when they behave like that and they do things that are, are just so interestingly unusual or out of character whatever it's always i find a message and they're they're using you know their body language to communicate to us to say you know what this is kind of urgent you really really need to listen to us now Mm -hmm. yeah totally and i'd been like watching the situation i knew what was going on i was just hoping he's like we've got um a big plan to start fencing the entire perimeter but you know how those plans go, right? They take time. Even if you start right away, you run into issues. 500 acres is going to be like over four kilometers of fence line that we need to put in. 
Mm. There's a lot that can delay <laughs> the completion of a perimeter like that. So while my heart was like, oh, but we're fencing, my brain was like, yeah, but they don't have that grass available to them right now. Yeah, and good point, because even though in, in our brain we're thinking, we're starting fencing next week, can't you hang on for one more week? But like you said, no, no, you're going to start next week, and they can't yeah. go in there till it's finished. It could be like the end of the yeah. summer, for all we know. Totally. Yeah, so <laughs> I'd been scoping out our neighbor's fields next to us, but their fences are in really poor shape, and they are, they're not people I'd want to uh release <laughs> a bunch of horses and cows onto their lawn you know mm -hmm. um so i was kind of putting off asking them it just didn't feel right even though it felt you know they're right next door we share a fence line um it kind of it made perfect sense but i was just like kind of squeamish about asking them and then another neighbor called looking for eggs and i remembered that she had fantastic fields and she's a horse lady and um my mom asked her and she said yes right away and so why did your mom ask her? Is it because of Juno's behavior had brought this front and center into her mind as well? Like had you and your mom had a conversation about, look, we, we really need to find a solution? Yeah, basically, you know, she was kind of like, oh, she popped the fence. Um, and I, and I was, I was so, I'd been watching it and, and waiting for so long for a sign that it that our pastor couldn't take the use that we were giving it right um yeah we, we had a conversation about it and so uh, the horses probably had a dialogue and decided who was going to give you the sign <laughs> <laughs> and again the, just, the biggest the biggest hardest to handle one was like what if i escape like okay i'm listening <laughs> exactly they're like, do you know, do you know you do it? It'll, it'll be like you said, popping buttons. <laughs> Hulk flexing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the time um, I had Montaro out on the road. And again, same thing. Like I was thinking, oh, I really wish I could expand their area. And just had been in my thoughts a lot. And then, you know, we'd finished our walk. So I wanted to go back home. And he was like, no, no, stay out on the road. And I was like, okay. And then, okay, let's go back. No, no, stay out on the road. He just kept, he just didn't, he was like, no, no, stay on the road for a while. And I was like, what is going on? Like, we've been, we've been just hanging out on this road for, and then what happens like within the next, you know, I probably about five or seven minutes after he told me, no, let's stay on the road. A car comes driving down the road and it's the next door neighbor. And she stops and she puts down her windows to say, hi, oh, look at, look at this horsey. And so Montaro sticks his head all the way into her car and starts smooching her. And she is giggling <laughs> and cooing like a schoolgirl. And then Montaro says to me, ask her. And I'm like, uh, and they had fields that they were using for cows. So I said, oh, are you guys getting cows again this year? Like what's happening? And so, you know, long story short, um, they, they were using the fields for the cows, but they gave us the entire forest that's adjacent to our fence. So we just had to open a gate and the horses went in there and they had so much like ferns and plants and bushes to forage and they created trails through there. And it was, this, and I would never have gone over to that neighbor and asked for that forest, never. But the horses knew and they set it up and then like dominoes falling, it all took place. Yeah. 
yeah that was like this like we called our friends and they said absolutely you could bring him tomorrow and then and then she goes oh hang on we need to tighten fences we need to walk the fence line and then she said hang on let's start with four um but she actually said yeah bring the bring the three belgians and the little mare and that's who i'd been thinking of was juno yeah. jacks montaro and firefly yeah and uh but yeah it all moved super quick it was really just the only holdup was me having enough time to go over and and fix the fences um which, which i did on did. friday hey. yeah from the time juno busted onto the driveway and the time you took jacks and firefly over there how many days was that it was max a week it might have been less i can't i don't like know less. <laughs> it's spring in the north on the farm time has no meaning to me right um, but it might have been just a few days really I'm, um uh, okay yeah. so tell us um tell us about moving the horses that's six kilometers away and you mm -hmm. thought i'm gonna walk them over there yeah so tell us so originally originally i thought i had to take all four at once so i had this plan i had a couple people in mind i was really because i know these horses and i know they're not like other horses as in trained to do what you say mm -hmm. <laughs> um i didn't want to i didn't want horse people helping yeah. Mm -hmm. But then you need people that are confident enough to work with all that energy. Yeah. Um, but without the preconceived notions of what a horse should be doing. Mm -hmm. So that narrowed it down to my husband, <laughs> who has walked maybe like one horse a few feet. Um, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Right. For some That's reason, the kind I of never people you that. want. That's the kind of people you want to work with these wildies. <laughs> Basically. Um, and, uh, another friend of mine in the area who's, um, just really in love with horses and really, um, gets them, but mm -hmm. hasn't had a lot of experience and, uh, and is really more open to the, to the more relationship side of things, but she couldn't make it. So, um, so it was only Tim and I, and I decided, well, then we'll have to do two trips with two. And it just occurred to me at the last minute that it should be fly and sparrow uh sorry fly and jacks because they've been super close lately right um and you always see them together and they're both really sharp and really curious and they're always like watching me to see what's next and what gate i'm going to open and what mm -hmm. snacks i'm going to bring yeah. um <laughs> so so i thought okay well if we bring them then juno doesn't get left without one of his elder males and Montaro yeah. doesn't get left without his main herd buddies. I think I thought that would really stress either of them out to be the odd one out of the trio. Right. Um, so we, so I, so I thought that and I thought, well, you know, we never know what's going to happen. When I got home from fencing, I, the horses were out of sight. <laughs> I did my chores and lo and behold, flying jacks catch sight of me. They come marching on over, I open the gate, they let themselves into the barnyard mm -hmm. um, and milled around for a bit until my husband got there 
and, and just, the and the rest of the herd stayed away. They did not come in with jocks and fireflies. They came to the gate, but they did not hustle. They didn't get in mm-hmm. first at all. Um, they were quite a bit behind. And then Montaro and Juno and Amalia, Firefly's mom, all spent a moment hanging over the gate by themselves. Mm. And each time I went over to them and I explained what was happening. And each time they listened, took it in, and then turned and walked away from me. And then the next one would come up. Mm. And the hardest one was Amalia because Firefly is her baby. Firefly is almost five, but they've never been apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longest they've been apart is maybe 10, 20 minutes if I've taken one of them out for a walk. Yeah. Um, so while, you know, most horse people would say, you know, it's time for them to separate, none of that's in my mind. It was just this feeling that Firefly needed to go. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, Jeannie, separating <laughs> <laughs> a mama from her grown and bonded child is um really really painful yeah where the mom even, and anybody who even when they choose it you know mm-hmm. juno chose to get on that trailer and cobra was there as backup for him because until the last minute none of us knew whether he would be able to get on but odie yeah. stayed way back she was she was like halfway down the field to take her energy out because maybe if right. she'd been right up by the gate, by the fence line where all the other horses were watching what was going on, maybe that would have made it too difficult for Juno. But they had decided for whatever reasons that it was time for them to separate. But that doesn't mean that it's not extremely difficult. And like you said, very painful. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was tough. And she ran screaming. And every time a, a human came to the farm, like my brother, uh, and my mother both reported, reported Amalia after we'd left, running right at them, demanding where her baby was. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it was tough. I mean, I felt like it all happened quite quickly. It felt okay. like it was... But you, happened. so they, they separated themselves from the herd of their own will, yes. and they came yeah. into the barnyard, and then you haltered them, and then you set off, but Firefly wasn't calling or trying to go back to mom, right? No, not for... Uh, least a couple kilometers but the rest of the herd was calling mm-hmm. firefly and jacks were very eager to go walking and it wasn't until we got a good ways away that it started to sink in i think that they mm-hmm. were really going somewhere and right not just going and going coming back yes because it's a yeah. six kilometer, it's a six kilometer walk and you have to cross a bridge over a river and it takes mm-hmm. about an hour and a half to walk it, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, tell us, there's... tell us what happened on that walk um, with, well, let's start with Jax. Well, Cause you had Jax and Tim, your husband had Firefly. And right, yeah. what were you experiencing with Jax during that walk? There was, he was so eager to move. He was so excited to see new things. And there's something too about, about horses and their, I was thinking a lot about that, like that shared molecular connection between fear and excitement. And I think horses really ride that (laughs) Mm. where there's a lot of doubt and fear and um, trepidation, but this huge drive to explore and find out more. 
Yes. Um, so I felt a lot of that from Jack's and cars passing on the road were scary. And, um, luckily the, the person who we were taking them to had called various people with dogs along the way and asked them to put them away. So Mm -hmm. we didn't have to deal with, with attack dogs or anything, but, um, yeah, you know, the road twists and turns and there's, there's trees and wind that started raining um somebody pulled over and tried to talk to my husband about a job he wanted him to do oh my gosh (laughs) well the horses are like neighing and pooping and prancing and like running in circles around us oh my god and this guy was just like completely clueless i mean grew up on a farm not the least bit concerned about horses running around (laughs) (laughs) so there was things like that to just sort of contend with um and then we carried on yeah there was a period where they were both calling quite a bit firefly was calling so hard she sort of squeaked at the end it was quite it was quite awful but they kept moving they kept moving forward and was she not she wasn't pulling and trying to go back no and we wouldn't we weren't pulling them or forcing them to move ahead so interesting Um, yeah yeah So it was really heart-wrenching, but also felt like that very bittersweet, like, okay, it's time for her to go do something on her own. With the the big boys. (laughs) With the big boys. And it helps me to know it's not forever. I don't know if if their animal selves can really comprehend that. Mm. It's alarming, (laughs) but it helps me to stay calm and and resolute to know. you know, if she'd really been upset and really kicked up a fuss, then we could have gone back. I don't think I would have stopped her. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because the whole point is that it's that we're all doing this together for a, for a joint purpose. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, she carried on, and then they got quiet. They got curious. Uh, Jack's pulled out of my hands when we got to the rodeo ground because because there's no rodeo. The nobody's mowing and everything's closed so one of our neighbors has put his horses there to graze Mm -hmm. and jack's got sight of them and got very excited and just just ripped out of my hands and (laughs) ran to say hi and they just said hi they just all leaned on the fence and smelled each other and i went and got his rope and we carried on um and when we got to the bridge or nearly to the bridge um our neighbor's husband had come to check on us and my brother had come to pick us up even though we're still a ways away Mm. and uh, they sort of they hung back and let us go and they almost sort of herded the horses over really gently with their trucks and i was so surprised because i'd been worried about only the bridge that was my only concern about (laughs) the whole and Jackson Firefly just walked across it. So it's, it's, an, it's a, above a small canyon over a raging river. Like we've had so much rain. Um, the river is just rushing. And there's no sides to the bridge. There's just oh, man. Like, oh. a couple of feet high barriers. You know? Oh, man. And a wooden deck. So, oh, it, you know, man. the sound changes and becomes hollow. And Jax just walked. Yeah. And Firefly just followed him. And it was incredible. And then from there, we've crossed the river and we 
turn up and go up a hill and Tim and I know that we're nearly there so the energy is really changing and we got them up the hill and down the track and to their new place um I feel like a lot more went on than that but that's what I'm remembering it was it was actually fairly smooth and very exciting like it felt really exhilarating and fun and I was so <laughs> proud of my husband who doesn't uh isn't a horse guy um like with a capital H capital G yeah um but he was just really enjoying the walk and it was pouring rain and it was like nine o'clock by the time we got there <laughs> <laughs> and we put them in the the small area at the top of their field their field is quite the first field they're in is quite wooded and there's a water and tons of food in this small area and some shelter and of course immediately they found the very narrow trail down into the into the other pasture because both <laughs> Both of them are such explorers. They couldn't wait. Yeah. Yeah. So they, yeah. And they, they just, you know, the, the grass there is, is so tall. You catch, you trip in it. Like it catches your feet wow. <laughs> it's up to your knees. So they are pretty content. Like the second we let them go, they're like, Oh, I see. So tell me, tell me what it was like for you. Um, well, I won't say leading jacks because that's not how it is. It's like, <laughs> yeah, there's a rope there, but you're really adventuring together. Um, and you're, you're like, you have a common purpose and you're doing it with each other. But I know that for jacks, he, um, when he was first called, uh, he was semi-feral. And by the time he came to me, they had him, quote, halter trained. And they were really pleased with how quickly he learned and how well he listened, except that as you were leading him, he would try to bite you, <laughs> which they thought was just a little, a little thing. It's like, no, no, this is actually, and, and they did what, you know, most people do, which is, you know, they overwhelm the horse. And so the horse has to go into shutdown. And so they think this is a perfectly, beautifully well-behaved malleable horse but it's just that the horse has shut down so when he mm -hmm. came to me i realized that immediately and so i said to him jacks if you never want to wear a halter again it's totally up to you and so he spent six solid months not wanting to be touched at all and i was at that point i still thought i needed to halter train my wildies so i was getting the others used to it and working with them and montaro i was already taking him out for treks um, and Jax didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, and then after about six months solid of that, he initiated the first, I, and I teach halter training by playing a game, right? So, uh, and I have all those videos on my YouTube channel. So it's a very different approach. And he finally, after six months said, yeah, I want to play that game. And of course, like the master he is, he did everything from start to finish in five minutes. Like it was no big thing. Like he, he'd already learned everything from watching the others. And so if we took him out on the road and we put a halter on his head, he would actually get very uh, pissed off because I believe because of his earliest experience, 
things on his face bothered him, but maybe something on his face would bother him anyway, just because he is who he is. But he really liked to work with the neck loop. So it was very interesting then, okay, well, how do we halter, how do we take you out so you can have adventures? But yet we're in a city, we're in an urban environment. And if you bust out and a car hits you, I mean, people could die. So we have to walk this very difficult line with him. Um, And so leading jacks, I'm just going to use that word, although that's not what it is. When you're, when you're halter leading jacks, Walking if, with jacks, or also yeah. a halter is there. <clears throat> yeah, it's um a pretty. It can be a pretty crazy experience. Uh, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of balls that you've got to keep in the air at the same time for him to be okay. But you have had this. You've been having some really special bonding with Jacks first when he in, he asked you for the first time in five years to cut his feet that he actually wanted them cut. Um, I think you've done a trim on one or two just before when he wanted to feel what it was like because everyone else was getting theirs done. No, but no, the only time I did him was when he was out cold. Oh, for really? His for three. Yeah. Okay, for his castration. Okay, so first time in five years, he asked you to cut his feet, to trim his feet. And that led you guys into an incredibly intimate space where he was actually kissing you, which he's never really kissed anybody. <laughs> Um, so that right away told me, wow, he's kind of gone to a different space with you. Um, so what was it like in the energy space as you guys were heading down this road together? You know, I was going to ask you because I didn't actually know any of that in detail about Jax. Mm. Um, because I've never felt connected to him, yeah. I I just didn't know his story much except for where he came from and that he was Montaro's brother. Mm. Um, so I was going to ask you if you'd done any halter work with him. So he, when he came and put himself in the barnyard and we were ready to go, I brought him the halter. I, I offered him the nose loop and he stuck his nose in it. Mm-hmm. And I, and you, I remembered you had said something where he hated stuff on his head, but I just wasn't thinking about that. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well that, that's easy. Um, so walking with him, he did not object to the halter at all. Mm. He, he was perfectly fine with it. Um, it's just a really, like, very engaging activity for me. So, and I knew it would take all of my, my Aikido training to just stay with him. Mm. But there's something about these guys, they're so big. And they're so completely themselves. They haven't learned to hide themselves or make themselves smaller. Mm-hmm. And so, but they have such good hearts and they care about people because for most of their lives, people have been kind to them and more than kind, like have treated them as, as people, as beings. Mm-hmm. And so I never once felt any danger from him. Even when he ripped out of my hands, there's a little part of my human brain that goes, oh, God, he's going to run down the valley with his rope hanging behind him. But my body didn't feel it. Mm. There was some adrenaline, you know, the shock of the moment and the, oh, what's going to happen? But there was no fear of mm. him. Um, and even when he would, like, when he, when he gets excited, he's, 
he walks faster, his shoulder starts pushing into me. And I just, I don't shove him back, but I am physically very present. And I move into him with my body. Mm. It's no different than what they do with the, with each other. Right. But there, there's no, not hitting. It's not, it's not, you ought to be over there. You know, it's just like, okay, I need my, I need space. I need you to, to move off of my body. Um, and that's when you're time, using, that's when you're using kind of an Aikido kind of movement, right? Yeah, because he outweighs you. <laughs> you can't, you can't actually physically push him aside because he outweighs you. No. I don't know, 20 to one or whatever. But um, so how are you, can you, ex- can you language how you're <laughs> pushing him? Yeah. Over? Aikido is energy first, but it's not without physicality. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not like magic, <laughs> but it's about just uh, intention, letting your intention go first. And then if the intention isn't picked up on energetically, then you, you move in physically to complete the motion. So, it, you know, it's all so fast. It's all in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what you train for is to be able to act that way. Yeah. So when I'm asking him to move over, I'm not even really thinking I need to ask Jax to move over. I'm just going, I need you over there. I need this space. And it's not pushing. It's not forcing. It's not out of anger. It's just moving my physical body in a really direct way, um, which, you know, and a, and, a, and a close physical way, shoulder to shoulder. And again, and- I'm really used to guys from from tripping them um in the really intimate way that i do and being in tight with them at your place so it's just and so when you with your body and your key you say you need to move over this is my space how does he respond to that jacks for the most part would just step over Mm -hmm. just in his forward motion just make a little room and veer off um so again like yeah no leading involved Mm -hmm. very much co-walking um i haven't done this with them right they haven't worn halters or jacks came in the yard on a halter once but i haven't been working quote unquote with them at all since they've been here yep so it was Yeah, it's just trusting everything. I, I, I wish you know. I, <laughs> I don't feel very masterful at like preventing pressure from hitting them. You know, there is a rope. <laughs> They're moving erratically. Um, I'm holding on to the rope, so I can't say they didn't get any uh, limitations to their movement. Right. Right. Like there uh, were times where I, you hold on his head. Yeah, there was times I don't. I made sure not to pull on his head. Right. There's times when you hit the end of the rope and I'm on it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. That's actually a very important distinction though. It is. That's actually a really important distinction. Yeah. It really is because the energy is completely different. Mm -hmm. And if I can hold that space and just go, I'm sorry, buddy, this is our limitation right now. We're attached by this rope. Mm -hmm. Then 
it's a fact of life and it's not me doing something to him. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it wasn't perfect. I would, I think I would develop a lot more if I did it more with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all in all, it was, it was just exhilarating really. You know, when I came home, we chatted long into the night because I was so buzzed on what a cool experience it had been. There's not a lot that that really takes that Aikido training, you know, in our modern world where everything's so controlled and so planned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of situations you end up in where you really need to like get pushed to your very limit of what you've trained for. Yes. Even in Aikido, the person coming at you is, you know, a mutual <laughs> consensual attacker. Yeah. You know the plan, you know the move you're supposed to do. Yeah, and there's no there's no nebulous threat of it all going horribly wrong. <laughs> when you work with these guys <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah yeah it was just very very energizing and exhausting as well um meanwhile i'm also looking out for tim and firefly because firefly is very small but she's also um not mm-hmm. trained yeah. and in her five years hasn't spent a lot of time um going very far away from home with on a lead rope Mm-hmm. And like I said, my husband has, you know, led a horse five feet, maybe like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no real experience there. And she's being uh, separated from mom for the first time in her yeah, life. Time. It was all kind of kooky. And when I think about it, I'm like, why yeah. did I think that was a good idea? But oh, No, it wasn't your idea. It was their idea. <laughs> and this is what they do to you. And this is what they've been doing to me for five years, end to end. It's unbelievable. And every time it happens, you go like, wait, what? And you just, you cannot believe what happens. It's yeah, just exactly. another, yet another, you can't make this shit up moment or experience. <laughs> okay. So Jackson Firefly get there and everything's tickety-boo. It's great. Um, and then you move Montaro and Juno to the next day or two days later? The next day. So yeah. we moved Jax and Firefly. We got there about 9 p.m. And then 11 a.m. this morning, we were back out there with Juno and Montaro. So this time when I got to the field, every single horse was laying down. Mm-hmm. I never see that. There's always somebody standing guard. And there was um, uh, a pod of the three, three other geldings, my, my guys, Falcon, Sparrow, and Nachako. Mm-hmm. And then Montaro and Juno were a little ways away. And Amalia was on her own, but closer to Montaro and Juno. And Amalia is and, Firefly's mother. That's right, yeah. And she'd been probably very upset all night. Mm-hmm. So it was... The rain had stopped and the sun was out and they were all getting some rest after what was probably a fairly stressful evening. And I, again, did my chores and called the horses. And this time it was not so decisive. Um, This time Amalia came to me and I started having the conversation with her about, yeah, you could come, but we hadn't planned that. And I'd have to ask if they could take another horse and, um, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to do this thing where you're away from Firefly for a bit, but I, you know, I'm willing to hear differently. Maybe I got this wrong. Mm-hmm. And 
And then her partner in a chaco comes and he just gently pushes her away from the gate. Wow. And as she tries to return to me, he keeps pushing her just gently, taking her away. Wow. <laughs> so then I open the gate and I walk through and I go to Montaro, who's um, having a little standing snooze. And I look him in the eye and I say, listen. And I flash him a picture of Jack's and Fly in their new pasture and how tall the grass is. Mm-hmm. I say, do you want to come with me? And he sighs and takes a few steps towards me. And I turn and I go out the gate. He follows me. Juno comes in behind him. Nachako continues to hold Amalia away from the gate. Hmm. And the other two boys are lagging far behind. So once again, I've got mm-hmm. my barnyard with two horses ready to go. Yep. Yep. And these two guys were less interested in being haltered, in fact, than Jack's. Um, and you had told me that Juno had a pretty traumatic time last time he had a halter on him. Yeah, that was um, when they escaped and ran down Highway 15. And I was in another city at a gymnastics tournament. So by the time I got there, the helpful neighbors had, and one of whom was a horse person, had got a halter on him. And she was hauling on his trying to get him across a ditch, which I later found out they had just been stuck in a bog four feet away from the point she was trying to get him to cross. And the bog had gone up to their belly and they had had to fight like mad not to basically get stuck and drown in the bog. So he'd had an incredibly traumatic experience four feet away from where she was hauling on his head to cross the ditch. And the other guy was smacking his bum. So again, Totally normal behavior for horse people, but my guys are never treated like that. So yeah. that's why Especially he, when it makes no sense to them. Right? They would, I would be like, do you know what's going on? What do you need? Right? And he'd be like, no, I can't cross. It. And then we'd walk further down the ditch and we'd probably cross yeah. in a second further down. So yeah, so he'd had that happen. Um, but again, that escape uh, and finding the neighbors was all part of their messaging that they needed to come to you. So again, right. like firefly separation, <laughs> it's a very difficult thing, but it had to be done for for things to move forward to the next to the next piece. Right. So when you went to halter Juno, did, and you held out the flat halter, because I had said to you, don't use a rope on him because I don't want him having any pressure points in case he pulls back. Um, was he interested in putting his nose in? Was he resistant to it? He was, <laughs> he was eating grass and he was not going to move his nose uh, <laughs> enough for me to put that halter on him. He was not like afraid of it, but he was not w- willing to do it for me. Yeah. And I, I made the decision. We weren't in a rush. Yeah. But I felt like the energy needed to keep moving forward. Mm. So I got a carrot and I, traded him a carrot for putting his halter on and he was fine Fair he enough. wasn't alarmed for the halter. yeah Montaro too was too busy to put the halter on yeah um but not concerned about it going on no and and yeah. since then like we had worked quite a bit with Juno and so he didn't have he was totally fine in a halter um after that experience but you know it's just you know, you keep these things in mind of, well, there is a cellular memory in there and there is a, a body and a muscle memory in there about these things. 
Right. And the last time he'd worn a halter was when he got put on a two day trail ride to trail <laughs> trailer ride to come to me. Yeah. So I didn't expect them to feel favorably towards the halter, but yeah. was pleasantly surprised that nobody was upset. And yeah, then we set off. So I gave Montaro to my husband and it was it was great to remember once we got on the road, I could see, I could remember and feel that Montaro's done a lot of walking with you. Yeah. Yeah. He has. But again, like we just, I wasn't sure it wasn't in my mind. I just knew that he was a more stable dude. And so I'd give him to um, Tim to, to lead. Yeah. And I would take the giant <laughs> slightly more. Um, <laughs> volatile. Uh, volatile. <laughs> baby man <laughs> yeah exactly and uh we actually did start out in front me and juno and then he got upset and asked his about a white mailbox next door so really he yes he really didn't want to be the first one to walk past the white mailbox so <laughs> so and we did good we were making really good time because um firefly is about half juno's size and so and Jax's size. So, so when we were walking, we were limited by her leg length. Oh. <laughs> she just, she can't power walk like a, like a Belgian. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we were making really good time marching along. And uh, first car that went by spooked Juno really badly. And then the second one that went by, I gave him a carrot. And the third one, we stopped to graze. And so they started to, to calm down about cars. Um, there's tons of delicious grass along the roads, so every time they needed a break, they would tell us, and we'd just stop for a couple minutes and have some clover or long grass. Mm -hmm. And um, I just have to ask: oh, so the cars that spooked Juno, because he's he normally doesn't spook at cars, and he's a lot of exposure to cars. Were they going really fast, or no? They weren't going very fast. Um, so it was probably just because he was so jacked. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just because really. he, did, he took, it was just, it, we didn't have any cars for a long time on the road and then yeah. they started coming. Yeah. And plus I was a little, I didn't know how he was with cars. So I was probably a bit keyed up wondering about it. Cause you can hear it coming and you could see the headlights and you know, it's coming. And so, Oh, and there were headlights. So that's another thing. I don't think he's been out when it's been dark and they've had headlights. on. Oh no, it wasn't dark. Just the, oh, the okay. running lights. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. So we did all right. And they, the really cool thing was that Jax had pooped like a million times. Along oh, the way. awesome. So they, so they kept finding like smellograms from Jax. Yeah, like, totally. <laughs> They'd have to stop and, and sniff and smell and like, okay, carry on this way. Never once called. Neither of them called at all. Mm. And we were doing pretty good and then all of a sudden Montaro who'd been like cool as a cucumber just like head down motoring along with Tim uh pulled out of Tim's hands wheeled around uh Juno exploded at him I don't know if I lost I can't remember now if I lost the rope or not but I quickly gathered up Montaro's rope and I thought they were spooking at this kilometer marker sign and then Tim goes oh there's a bear <laughs> And so, like, 
I don't know. I'm guessing about 50, 60 feet away, maybe less, maybe more, because it was all in the moment. Mm -hmm. There's this big black bear. She's standing on her hind legs going, (gasps) like, like side of the road. We're on the other side of the road. She's like, my gosh, right there, woofing at us. And Montaro is not afraid. He's squaring off for a battle, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Juno's like eyes rolled back. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but and not bolting. Was on, Juno not bolting? Not, not because because Montaro wasn't. He was spinning around yeah. me. And yeah, he wasn't. That's going amazing. away. Yeah. Okay. And meanwhile, because you know, there's like so many compartments in your brain. Oh yeah. So meanwhile, I'm like, oh my god, I wish I had my camera. <laughs> <laughs> And another part of me is like, no, there's no way you could hold a camera and two horses. Another part of my brain is already reaching for my phone camera. <laughs> and I've, you know, I've never encountered, like we see so many bears and I've never encountered one that like stood up and aggressed like that. Right. So I've been like, what's going on? And then we see two skinny little cubs run up a hundred foot tree. Oh my Like Lord. nobody's business. So we're like, oh my god, mama bear, let's keep moving. The horses yeah. are like, no, let's battle this out. It's like, no, just be, just move. So we carried on. So that was our first unexpected thing. Then we get to the. So wait, wait, era. no, 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 no. The cubs are up the tree, like yeah. way high up the tree, higher than you'd yeah. ever think bear cubs could climb. Yeah, and um. Montaro is squared off and the mama bear is huffing. And yes. then what happens? Does she stop huffing? Does Montaro drop his energy and, and agree to walk on with you? Like, how does that, because they're locked we now. Just, they're in a. You know what? So much of the whole thing, because we were so tuned into each other, the four of us, mm. like we were just this herd moving. Mm. So much of it, I can't really remember as like, and then I decided and then, you know, yes, it was yes. just like, we was just like all together, like we need to get out of here. Okay, gotcha. So got out of there. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then so it's like the whole six kilometers, which when you're driving is just like, you know, three minutes, like la yeah. la la, this is a bend in the road. Now forever it'll be like these, and you know, like a, like a haunted house at a carnival or something. <laughs> and then this is where the seven. This is where the seven. So then there's this area where the roads washed out, and they've put pylons all along it, reduced it to one lane, and then they have these those square like diamond uh, work signs everywhere mm. that say like traffic yeah. or go oh, slow dear. or whatever. Yeah. So those are apparently terrifying because probably because they're like the right size and shape for a small gremlin to live behind, and so. <laughs> And so Jax is quite upset by them. Um, but Juno was very concerned about these pylons. So Juno had this problem the whole way where he'd get very, either very excited about the grass or very concerned about something and he wouldn't move while Montaro kept moving. And then Juno would run to meet his dad and drag <laughs> me along with in the wind. <laughs> so... Um, so that was happening a bunch. And as we get into this like narrow corridor of pylons, this Morema or Great Pyrenees comes out. Oh my gosh. From, from the place on the side of the road with the you know big bark, big dog. And they know dogs and they're okay, but they're always loose, right? They can 
yeah. run and kick and whatever. Uh, so it was, that was very exciting. As we got closer, another dog came out. And I know the dogs are okay. Like, I know they're just barkers. But um, the whole energy was very alarming. And both horses started running. So me and Tim are just running to keep up with them. You're still holding their ropes. We're still holding their ropes. Um, we're just jo- like very fast jogging. I'm aware that I can't keep that pace for very long. Certainly not as long as either of the horses can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so calling out to Tim to try to slow down. And we did. We slowed down. We stopped and we had a big munch of grass. Okay. But then, then I knew the next obstacle was the, was the rodeo grounds where I'd lost jacks <laughs> the day before. <laughs> Meanwhile, another person drives up and stops to chat oh. with us. Oh, they my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, Which, funnily not, enough, they're actually really used to that. Because on wherever true, I yeah. would take them out, neighbors would always stop and chat. <laughs> right. But you wouldn't know exactly. that, you see? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they were fine because they had lots of grass to eat. So then I had this whole thing where I was like, okay, I learned from Jax. I had sort of initially tried to stop him from running towards the horses at the rodeo grounds. Mm. Um, and then he pulled out of my hands. So I thought, well, why don't I like initiate the meeting? Why don't we just like move them swiftly to the gate so they can say hi? Mm. And then we can go on. So that was in my mind. Um. But then when we got there, the horses were on the other side of the rodeo stands that's not really in sight. So uh, then I thought, okay, uh, we just need to bust a groove and get past here before um, they start calling to each other or something. Mm. And so this was, at this point in my mind, the rodeo grounds was the big scary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, in fact, event eventless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was... Uh, completely fine we just carried on stopped for another bite to eat because they it was exciting to see other horses but they were really great and kept moving so we stopped for another bite to eat juno got really into this juicy bit of something or other and montaro carried on and i was i was coaxing juno along i was you know wiggling his halter he's giving me the stink eye like, don't pull my halter <laughs> god like at this point we're like nearly we're a little more than halfway and juno and i are getting on each other's nerves right because like everything he wants to do i'm somehow hindering and everything i want to do is like completely goes over his head so (laughs) it's taking all of my energy to stay with him yeah and it's taking all of his patience to stay with me so i'm getting a bit impatient i'm like i don't want to go for yet another jog down the road to catch up to your dad like hurry up stop (laughs) eating you can eat when we get there and he's like stop freaking around with my halter jesus (laughs) (laughs) and then he goes oh my god dad (laughs) takes off something like a leaf turns over in the bush or something and he just kicks in you know like hind end kicks in the gear yeah. And and I just get, like I just get the message drop the rope. So I just drop the rope and I call to Tim with heads up. <laughs> I think Montaro then pulled out of Tim's hands to run with Juno. <laughs> and you just have that moment of like, okay, well, 
they're going up valley because there's always horses escaping and running up the valley. <laughs> <laughs> one more on the list. Uh. And what do they do? They go a few, a few leaps beyond us, stop, turn around, and come right back. Yeah. Like, okay, 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 fine. That was like the worst case scenario is we dropped the rope, both their ropes at the same time. Yeah. And nothing bad happened. Okay. <laughs> so I can't tell you. Out. I can't tell you how many times that has happened to me with these guys. Because, um, <laughs> you know, like, if you, think, if you think Juno gets scared, you should try his mama. She's even more scared of, like, everything, like cows even. Um, yeah. But every time, it's like they can't control their fear. So they just, boom, they burst. And that's why I don't even use clip-on ropes. I use a long piece of rope that I feed through the loop. So that if they take mm. off, I don't want them to step on that rope and shank themselves, right? So, yeah, exactly. because again, that'll make it a negative experience. So I purposely have a rope that just pulls through and pulls out. Yeah. Uh, and again, and again, and again, they bolt. Sometimes Odie will bolt 10 feet and then wait for me. <laughs> like, it's just like she, they just can't control that initial, bah, right? They're such but, big beings and yes. their emotions are so big. But they're not actually out of control. No, no. That's what I really, like, they're so big, I cannot contain this emotion. I can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. But they themselves are, you know, it's like, it's just so magnified by the size of them. Yeah. And by their, their sensitivity. But what I really noticed the whole time is every time we had a mishap like this, nobody was losing their minds. You know, like horses I have seen that have panicked are panicking because they don't have other options. Yeah. They know yeah. that they're going to get forced to do something that they think will kill them. Yes, exactly. So they're not thinking it through. They don't trust the situation. They know they have one chance to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to take it. And then they're yeah. going to run. And they're going to run, run, run until they can't run anymore. And these guys, that's not yeah. it. They, these no. guys are always... And, and this is my whole point about if you if you have an intimate relationship with your horse where they're treated as an equal, like just like you would with a friend, that dynamic never happens because even when they're scared out of their mind and they bolt, their connection to you brings them back. Like I've had okay, Montaro bolt 20 acres, loop around and come straight back like two, two feet away from me and start, drop his head and eat. I go like, okay, right. great. Was that a good run? Did you get the fear? And he's like, and he, and you know what he says to me? He goes, how come you weren't running? Like, he's like, that was really yeah. scary. You should move and discharge your stress. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I, I did. So I was like, okay, I jumped up and down and did some jumping jacks. And then I picked up his lead rope and then we carried on. So it's always yeah. about relationship. They will always return to the relationship. It's but but isn't it interesting that that relationship could color their relationship with us? Because they know me and they know what I'm about, but I don't spend a lot of time with them. You know, I, have a, I don't have a very constant personal relationship with them. And Tim is just around. He mm -hmm. sees them. He says hi to them. Mm -hmm. So for, you know, to be at that high level of, of stress and high stakes and, and close contact with people that they haven't ever done this with before mm -hmm. and to be able to translate 
you know, their whole experience of, of humans since their rescue has been you mm-hmm. and the way that you do things. And so it was just so cool to have that, their trust and their understanding of humans is so much more complete right. than a horse that has only been forced to do things. Mm. Very true. Very, so they and, actually, it's yeah. like, it's not just that we see them as equal beings, they see us as equal beings. You know what? That is so key because you just made me think about something. So for the wild Mustangs, um, who, you know, I've not tried to halter train any of them except the babies have asked to because they've seen the others. And so they wanted to try that out. And of course, like <laughs> data was halter trained in, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes from start to finish because you know, it's no big thing. Um, but for the other wildies, everything is done through body language and, you know, like beckoning with your fingers, come on. And so the, the barn helpers that work there, none of whom are horse people, have just seen the way that I interact with them, like just a few times, because I'm not usually there when they're there. And what mm-hmm. started happening is they started, because now that the the wildies understand that, oh, we can communicate with humans, right? It's the first of all, understanding that this is possible. So whatever way it happened, they initiated with my barn workers, hey, I want to come in the container area. Hey, I want to follow you there. And they'd be like, okay. And they'd open it up and they'd let them in. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I would, I had taught them a few tricks. Like if they don't want to leave the hay area, because that's like the best place to be, here's a couple of tricks, like grab a flake of alfalfa, get them, they'll follow you, just walk it out or, you know, come up behind them and, you know, you know, you know, move your hands together, like a little flicking moment movement. Like I've given them a couple of tools, but other than that, I haven't said much. They have all on their own because these wildies understand that they can communicate with humans and humans hear them and there's respect. They move, they can have like three different configurations of horses in and out of that hay area in the three hours that they're there. All of, of the wildies coming in, coming out, exchanging, Posa comes in and then Zeta comes in and Posa goes out. And then, so it's, it's actually really interesting. Like what you say, yeah, it's like they just, some human somewhere has to give them uh, this experience or this knowledge about humans and it can transfer over. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I hadn't really put that together before. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, so many thoughts like that, just like drifting through in throughout the, the our journeys, just as I really like viscerally experienced their experience mm-hmm. of novelty, of fear, of me, of, you know, all these, all these challenges. So it was, yeah, it was very, very cool. And it was also very cool to be doing it with another human that was, that didn't have a preconceived notion of what they should be doing. Yeah. (laughs) And as he said, well, I don't really know what could go wrong. So none of it really scares me. Yeah. (laughs) That's brilliant. Most of us people who've been around horses have, you know, yeah, a very long list very detailed list about what <laughs> can go, go wrong, wrong. <laughs> because we've seen it all <laughs> yeah it's true so back to it's, the journey it's what's what's interesting too though because i've had a lot of people who've had no contact with horses lead or work with these these guys and what i've noticed across the board is if they're not horse people when the horse 
poles to go in a different direction, they follow the horse. There's no mm -hmm. preconception in their mind that because I'm the human, we should do what I want to do all the time or it means you're being bad or yeah. you're not listening or you're trying to disrespect me or all of the interpretations that horse people put on those actions. They just naturally follow the horse and the horse has a few clops of grass and then the horse walks on with them. Yeah. It's very Absolutely. no biggie. Tim was shocked when I told him that um, most horses aren't allowed to stand and poo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just this weird thing in horse people culture where so they think weird. it's like so disrespectful weird. for the horse to like void its bowels in its own time <laughs> while standing still. I like, That's right. always seen trails of poo on the road. Yeah. You thought God it was forbid. God forbid you should stop to have your bowel movement. <laughs> right? <laughs> can you imagine if someone did that to you? Uh, you cannot sit down and stop to have your bowel movement. You can only poo while you're walking. While I sit on your back and kick you in the ribs. <laughs> how many humans would actually be able to poo under those circumstances? <laughs> oh my I know God. we're so particular about our pooping circumstances, but... That doesn't translate to horses, I guess. Yeah. Like dogs are allowed to poo in one place. Why aren't horses? Yeah. Bizarre. He was also shocked that people don't let them eat <laughs> when, right. they're, when they're moving. So, yes. Yeah, we stopped for lots of poops and lots of snacks, <laughs> which I think got us, got us there, right? Yeah. Every time we had a, a challenge, we'd stop for a little break and the horses would eat and that calms them. and. Exactly. And that's what many humans don't understand is that grazing is how a horse self-soothes. It's how the horse calms itself down. So mm -hmm. you always want to make them, a, you always want to give that option when something scary or frightening or challenging or whatever has happened. Let them drop their energy and they can do it so fast if you just let them munch for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so then the last challenge I thought was the bridge. But I wasn't the least bit worried about it because Jax and Firefly had just marched right on over. Mm -hmm. So we got to the bridge and we said, okay, let's just go for it. So Montaro, I think, had a little spook when he got onto it. And, you know, the, the, the sound of the footing changed and... Mm -hmm. um, and, he, and he, then he started rushing, but he wasn't running. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Juno did his thing. He went, oh, my God, a bridge. I'm not going on that. And then he went, oh, my God, my dad's getting away. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, I, I just have this very strong visual memory of, like, like bunched up golden, muscly horse flesh <laughs> rushing past me. <laughs> And like, no, at this point, no attempt to hold on to the rope. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, very, pretty narrow, like a one lane bridge. Yeah. It was quite narrow. And uh, he shot past me and Tim kept a hold of Montaro and we just all met on the other side. <laughs> 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 so at this point, I don't know, I think I dropped Juno's rope three or four times and Tim had lost Montaro once but now we're on the home stretch we're going up the hill you know there's another pile of Jack's poo so they know where they're going uh -huh. and we're 
we're on the right lane and we're one door away and there's this um, hay bale covered in plastic and so the boys had a big spook but that's okay because Jackson Firefly had a big spook there too but then it was like a continual spook it just they kept spooking and then we realized there was four or five llamas <laughs> that were there yesterday staring at us and, and I think a lot of people listening have probably experienced horses and llamas before Llamas are like a, they're like reserved for a special ring of hell in the horse's mind. Like they are so terrifying with their long necks and their like facing gaze. So <laughs> I've never so, encountered llamas with horses before. Oh my God. It's brutal. Really? When I got Arrow, he was being kept in a field full of horses and one llama and that llama had it out for him. And when I took Sparrow out to play with him and brought him back, the horses would be at the other end of the field and the llama would be waiting at the gate, working up a big wad of spit. <gasps> Poor Sparrow, terrified. I'd like have to shove him through the gate and then the llama would give chase and like attack him. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> horses are very justified in their fear of llamas. They're, they're weird looking and they are, they're scary. <laughs> wow. Plus, these guys have never seen them. They've habituated to the goats and pigs and cows, cows and, and anything else we have. But uh, they were quite scared when they first met those guys. So they're, this is a whole new species for them. So I lost Juno. <laughs> and I think Tim also lost Montaro at that point. So we've lost the two of them again. And they're <laughs> running back down the road. And I just go, oh, God, like. This hey, point, wait, we're, like, were they running back the way you just come or were they running forward? Yeah. yeah. And we've done like, we were like a quarter kilometer from our destination or less, yeah. you know, like oh, we are nearly there. And I'm just like, and then they run all the way home. <sighs> and once again, they stop, they turn around, they come back. They must look at those llamas again. <laughs> and it's all very bushy, right? Like there's like the, you, the only openings are at the driveways and at the edge of fields. So they can't see, they've run 20 feet, but they can't see the llamas. So they have to come back to, oh to see the llamas. And they see the llamas and all, it all happens again. Just this <laughs> whole big spook, they go running. And, but this time, Tim holds on. And Montaro calms himself and takes a good look at those llamas and allows Tim to move him past. Wow. And Juno just like, I think... Right, I still hadn't gotten Juno. Tim moved past. I think he jogged with Montaro and Juno ran to catch up and I was left far behind. <laughs> but at this point, I don't even worry. I'm like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so when I catch up to them, I asked Tim, you know, we're having another post-trauma snack. <laughs> and I asked him, how do you know to hold on that time? Because I could see it was the right decision, but I I, I think I told him, let go, you know, like, here comes Juno again, let go. Yeah. And he didn't, he just held on and he, and he, he sort of cocked his head and thought about it. He said, I think this time I just wanted to give him the option to stay. Oh. So I just wanted to hold on long enough that he could choose to stay. But oh. if he really wanted to, I wasn't going to hang on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like brilliant. Like, oh. <laughs> that's it. How, how that's it right there. Yeah, so it's like that 
such a fine dance between the dominant state of mind yes and the utilizing dominance tools and tactics without a dominant state of mind it's like it's it's next level stuff yeah it really uh, is could only really have come from someone who doesn't know horses yeah. <laughs> or you know like you have to like for me this is what i'm learning from the, the the wild mustangs and which is why i'm in no rush to even ask them to have any kind of training or whatever is because they are teaching me to return to that state that tim already is mm-hmm. right yeah. because we once we've had any horse training or we've been around horses we we default to dominance so easily and you know right, depending like, also, also those of us that have consciously moved away from dominance we won't employ the tactics we won't use those tools out of fear of dominating yes yeah and the other thing for me too is you know because i was you know beaten up as a kid i have my default setting is to dominance like when you threaten me or i feel afraid i i move Mm -hmm. to dominance because of that so there's that running in my in my cellular experience as well so with the wildies that's what i really that's why i i am not trying to get them i'm really trying to go let's rewire my circuits let's rewire my mental circuits let's i want to rewire my cellular um memories and experiences so that i can get to the place where tim already is because he Mm -hmm. hasn't been ruined by those things you know he hasn't Mm -hmm. he's just you know like this clean soul who is like but also we must say that we must mention that that tim has is also um a black belt in ki aikido so he's not a newbie to energy at all no and that's why i chose him that's why i knew he could do it yeah but still it was quite it was quite Absolutely. cool to get his take on it very cool because he could, i don't know if that and was- i'm sure he knew exactly the 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 exact amount of holding that constituted the choice and the option and where that it would have crossed the line into forcing i'm sure yeah, he because was completely aware of where that was all energetic like he could put it into words when i asked him but he wasn't thinking about it, it wasn't preconceived yes it was just a thing that happened yeah split second decision in the body so yeah yeah, exactly. Because if, if I did that, I'd be thinking about, okay, I just want to hold on just long enough, you know, and then yeah. it wouldn't be, I get it wrong. I remember when I first got Zora, so she had already been trained to ride, um, but had not ridden, I think she'd ridden, been ridden a total of three months, which was enough trauma to take years to unwind. But anyway, um, and the first time I asked her if I could, sit on her back um she said to me go get the halter and i was like why would you want a halter like i was really i'm like no no this is not how we do it here you're free and i if you choose to walk away at the last moment and you don't want me to get on your back then you do that that's why you don't that's why you're free and she was like i need the halter to feel secure enough to let Mm -hmm. you, I want you to get on my back, but it feels too scary for me. And because of my past conditioning, 
I need the halter on. Isn't that fascinating? Amalia is like that too, or she was for a long time. Also had a lot of training done to her. And so I was like, you're free. Never wear a halter again. She's like, um, that's too activating actually. Yeah. I need those confines. I need that boundary to be able to, to try anything new. Yeah. And I think she needed the halter um, the first three or four times that we experimented with me get because I wanted to see, okay, when I get on your back, how does that feel? And what's your energy body doing and where? And that's where the trauma from her riding would show up. It wouldn't show up on the ground. As soon as I got on her back, her neck would literally change shape. And, you know, so that's what I was doing. I was like, can I sit on your back and see? Like, where's your, where's your, where's it locked into your body, cells and tissues, right? Mm -hmm. And it took about four of those before she was like, okay, I don't need the halter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So very Hmm. interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, there's so many layers. There's so many layers and you can only really like talk about them. But when they're happening, they're all happening all at once. Yeah. And it's so fast and it's, it's all energy and it's all beyond thought or yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And then we were there, we got there (laughs) and then there's another big dog barking and uh, that part's all a bit of a blur because Juno was like, we were so like, by the time the llama thing had happened, me and Juno (laughs) were just done we're done well, but we weren't done. poor little so june bug and like it's, it's like mailbox and the cars but then a bear a mama bear with two cubs <laughs> i mean gone into aggressive stance and then if that's not enough llamas like it's the poor yeah. guy he could and not dogs and a bridge over yeah, a river huge maremma kengal dogs i mean they're this almost the size of a bear yeah yeah and then the the bridge with the canyon yeah. and like totally swollen river like just thundering down but like poor june bug i know he's like that was five adventures too many <laughs> like, you're kidding bro oh my god so you know i'm losing my i'm i'm exhausted like we're oh both, we're my Tim- drenched in sweat juno's drenched in sweat i think taro was okay just yeah. like the mental physical everything exertion of getting there <laughs> and so i'm like you know you don't get to give up, but you want to. Yeah, but we're there. Sure. So we got to the gate. He was he was kind of pushing me around, I think, or just trying to get to wherever he was going. <laughs> He's like fumbled off their halters, because you know when you when you take horses into a field with other horses, they need to run around. So it yeah. can be really hard sometimes to get the halter off if the horse doesn't have enough experience to just wait (laughs) yeah so i think tim unclipped montaro i managed to get juno's halter right off with my last carrot i had exactly one piece of carrot left (laughs) (laughs) and they ran out to meet fly and jacks who they didn't know when they'd see again and then they realized the grass was you know up to their knees and instantly everything was okay yeah everything was perfectly fine and Jackson Firefly looked so surprised. It was very sweet. Very, very sweet. Like they, had, so we, they didn't yeah. know that the guys were coming. Interesting. Yeah. Or, 
You know, I always they didn't, maybe they were surprised that they made it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you actually mix. got here? We thought it would take you a couple tries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just like Firefly, you know, she spent her first night away from her mom and she already looks different. Yeah, I bet. Something's starting to change. How so? So we went and chatted with the people and I went back to get Montaro's halter off. And the four were just all together and they're in a very, a fairly small wooded area right now. It's not unlike your place, mm-hmm. um, but there's so much food yeah. that they're, they're fine. And in a couple of days, they'll get let into the next area. By the end of the week, they can have um, the rest of the, I don't know, 80 plus acres. Yeah. Great big open fields to just rip around in. And a creek, right? And a creek to drink out of and wooded trails to oh walk gosh. through. And yeah. Yeah. So, and, and as I was leaving, sorry, go ahead. Uh, just as I was leaving, I said goodbye to everybody. And Jax came forward and he just followed me right up to the gate. And I could just feel this like, yep. <laughs> yep. You're done good, human. Oh. Got us here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they know, they know how hard it was for you. It it sounds yeah. like it was like almost like a master. <laughs> like, you know how you have all your, your um, first down and second down, third down tests. Yeah. This is this is like 10th down, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, we have this guy, uh, this eighth down, who's part of our grading, who for your third down will runs at you with knives and swords, you know, various <laughs> points in your grading. Um, the French call him uh, the bulldog. The French guys in the Federation uh-huh. call him the bulldog. And he has this, yeah, he's, he's small, he's Scottish, and he is terrifying. Yeah. So yeah. this was like eight of him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just rushing at you. And like a lot of gradings, I don't feel like I performed very gracefully. Yeah. But I got her done. And that's what, yeah. that's what the point of it, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, there's so much you could improve on. That's what the work is for. That's what practice is for. Mm-hmm. But the grading is about, can you do it? Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing your little line, feel the fear and do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Don't wait to stop okay. being afraid. Ain't never gonna happen. <laughs> your heart will be pounding. <laughs> Yeah, you might be hyperventilating, but but as long as you don't lose your mind, you can just and and that's the thing with these guys is lest you become complacent, they ratchet it up to the next level. So for me, it's like I'm continually afraid. It's (laughs) (laughs) whatever you master, they're like, okay, I good with that. Okay, here we go, moving up a level, kicking it up to the next place. How now? How do you feel? Terrified. Yeah. <laughs> and you're back there again. Yeah. So, well, and for you, I mean, you mentioned um, the other day that Jax has been started to, has started talking to you about riding him. Yes. And I can't think of anything more. To, I actually told Jax, I said, I will just so you know, I will never be the one to ride you. I am not getting on your back. It's not going to happen. That's like... Yeah, and I have not been like, Jax, can I ride you? Because no. well, never even the same. Your head. Never entered my mind. And he just like told me 
that that's what's going down at some point one day. Yeah. It's like, okay, I can only trust I'll be ready for that when, and you'll be ready for that when that happens. Because that's not a situation you'd ever be able to force. <laughs> no. And, and he's, he's the kind of horse who'd, who'd toss you just to give you a chance to practice your dive rolls. He'd be like, we, yeah, really? and I, I got an image of him, you You're know, what, like, <laughs> you know, it'd be like for him, like I, if you go in the swimming pool, if you ever done that and the person goes under the water and you get on their shoulders and then they <laughs> burst up and you go flying yeah. off their shoulders and it's like the funnest thing for all of you. That's what yeah. I saw with Jax and you on his back yeah. and him just popping you left and right. And <laughs> oh no. You know, never for anything, just to, just for the pure fun and joy of it. Cause wouldn't that be so wonderful? <laughs> Maybe we'll get there. I feel like as I leave my twenties, I am so much less, uh, risk. Yeah. I'm so much less interested in risk. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like six years ago, sure. I'd swing onto Sparrow bareback and run down the public dike and he'd, buck me off because I was being a jerk and I like you know roll around to squeeze the air back into my lungs get up and just run and chase him down <laughs> you know get him climb back on that was a thing once yeah it has not been a thing for a very long time I mean exactly which I think is better for me and the horses but mm -hmm. it's really interesting after like building up a bit of a an egoic idea of myself as fearless to just really get with my fear and be like, I'm, I'm scared. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested. So that is one piece. And then to then be challenged to go remember that person who was game for anything. Yeah. Can you bring that to your newfound centered wisdom? Can you bring that gung ho energy into the next piece? I was having a discussion with Montaro and Odie about riding um, maybe eight months ago and or longer, maybe a year. And it was so fascinating, the perspective they brought me because I'd never considered this. And I can't remember which one of them said it to me, but they basically said, you can't, because I was like, okay, I'll, I'm okay to like, I'd love to ride, but again, like, okay, I'm now in my fifties. I am not, I do not want to come off a horse again. You know, the last time I did, I was 46 and I was like, that's probably going to be the last time I'm coming off a horse. Like I came off, the, the horse was galloping and it came over his front shoulder. And I was, oh I'd kind of put it out there because I wondered, hmm, now that I'm older, do I need to wear a helmet like for my safety? And so I'd kind of put that question out there to the universe. And when this horse tossed me, I was like, and my daughter was standing facing me, who's a gymnast. So things that happen at high speed and high velocity, her brain and her eyes can actually break it down and remember exactly what <laughs> happened, which was super convenient for me and useful. But yeah, I, I, I dive rolled and I tucked my head and I rolled tight and I, and it was like, okay, you got your answer. No helmet because you have to be able to tuck and roll. And a helmet mm. is going to interfere with your neck um, and your ability to tuck the way that you norm that you your body naturally does. But after mm -hmm. that experience, I was like, guys, I'm I'm open to riding, but I cannot come. I can't be dumped again. Like I'm just not willing to take the recuperation time and to the risk and blah blah blah. blah. 
And I'm like, so you guys need to be at the place where you can promise me that you're not going to dump me is basically what I was saying to them. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then what, what they said back to me was you cannot put that on us because we are not in control of everything that happens. Like the mama bear with her two cubs around the corner. Right. Yeah. And if they're, they cannot override their genetic programming that is like, do this in this instance, mm -hmm. right? And that was what they said. They said, we cannot, we are not in control of that. So you mm -hmm. have to take responsibility. And if you're not willing to have that happen, then you make the choice not to ride. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah. So then we're back to what you initially talked about, about saying, you know, I, I, now I'm feeling my fear and I'm, but at the same time, I want to bring back that younger self that was fearless mm -hmm. and that, and how do you meld those two? And, you know, it's, yeah, it's a whole, it's a much bigger conversation. Yeah. And it also translates into like, you know, not not being in a state of mind where I would ask a horse to do something that neither of us are ready to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think the fearlessness comes into like being willing to, to try being willing to take a risk, yeah. but the caution and the wisdom coming in that, like being able to read the situation, being able to read the energy and knowing just to get off. Cause there's no longer yes. a egoic thing about like a must stay on. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the, I, I had, I've had a lot of conversations with them about riding. There's, you know, I've been off and on all of their backs, but there's no riding that's, but it's been in fun, right? It's been in, and Juno the most, because mm -hmm. my brain was like, Juno's way too young to ever be ridden. So for him, it was me getting on and off him in a state of pure play. And, you know, I was sliding off his bum and then sliding on the right side. And then, and we were just, we were having a party. And then I realized, oh my God, I've gotten on and off every side of his body in complete freedom because I had no agenda because I was like, mm -hmm. I'm not riding Juno for at least two or three years. And so that opened up this space of just pure play and fun. And mm -hmm. there was nothing that happened that wasn't hundred percent positive. Hmm. So it's so interesting. So one of the, um, conversations that I'd had with Montaro was because um, I okay Montaro and we were out walking on the road and I had the lead rope and I said oh Montaro I'm going to loop this around your neck we're going to pretend that it's rains you know I'm going to put my hands up near your withers and teach you some of the signals and he was like and he he tolerated it for a little bit and then he said okay enough and I was like no you're we're, we're getting this we're really good and Montaro he bless him he like leans back and he like nips the, like he doesn't nip my skin, but he grabs my jeans and I'm like, okay, right. This is me doing my thing where I get an idea. And I'm like, no, no, it'll be really good. Just trust me. Let's keep going. And, you know, and he's like, so he knows how to set me back. Um, and I said to him, but okay, if you're not going to learn this stuff, then how am I ever going to ride you? And he sent me this picture and it was like, dude, you and I are going to be out hiking in the mountains and you're going to get tired. And I'm going to say, get on, I'll carry you for a while. And that's how, mm -hmm. it's, and, and I was like, yeah, that's how it would happen. It's like, there's no practice needed. There's no, it'll mm -hmm. be like, when you're tired, I'll carry you. Not 
I'm riding your body, like a completely different perspective on it, or we're going for a ride and that's what we're doing. No, no, just this totally organic, like let's adventure together. Let's go out together. And if you get tired, I'll carry you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just to come. <laughs> I was like, oh. I'm big and you're little. And it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the first time it happened with Zora, that was what happened. Like you and I had done what already a two hour circuit of the park and um she wanted to go again and i was like i cannot i'm tired and we already had we had a 20 20 minutes home from there and i was like there's no way i just have enough gas in my tank to get home i can't go around again and then that's when she said well well get on my back then <laughs> do you remember that and so the first time i got on her back we were on a on a cement like a asphalt road and she had a halter with a rope and we went back in the park and we did another hour and a half loop. So, yeah. It'll be, I'll be interested to see what happens with uh, Jax or Montaro or whoever you choose to go adventuring with. Yeah, because now we are right up close to the other side of the valley and the mountains there, including Moonlight Mountain. Which is Jax's middle name, mm -hmm. which Jack's is Moonlight. Uh, a really magical mountain with um, trails up into the Alpine. Wow. And my husband, Tim, is already making plans. He's like, we should set a date four weeks from now. We take Jackson Fly and we go up Moonlight. Wow. <laughs> He's like, then we camp. I'm like, dude, camping with horses? <laughs> <laughs> then we camp. Even the horses can tie up to a tree, you know, like these... <laughs> I don't know if we want to, let's, let's start with a day trip. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is with these guys is like, if you hiked with them a few times, so they got used to it and that this is your thing and you're bonded and you go and you come back together, I'm positive you could go and you could camp and you call them the next morning and you resume. Like you wouldn't have mm -hmm. to tie them. You wouldn't have to hobble them. They would just... They would just know that you're there as a team. This is your gig. This is what you do. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is cool, right? Like this is, again, a next level thing. Of yeah. Can be kind of terrifying, but are you willing to go there? This is what they keep doing to <laughs> us. They keep saying, and now let's do this. And now let's go here. Yeah. But you know what? You know, it takes like all that time in between for us to deprogram our brains. Totally. Right. So yeah. I'm not going oh my God, I want to take a horse up that mountain. Mm -hmm. I'm going, oh my God, I think I have to take this horse up that mountain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> what the yeah. hell is that going to be like? Jax it's told me we have to go up the mountain. Oh, yeah, to ride him. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, but all of that time in between... I had to sort of detox, deprogram from the conditioning of, of uh, how, how one is with horses, what you do with horses. So I'm grateful for all that downtime and I'm a little trepidatious <laughs> about, <laughs> about the, next, uh, the next level, which is maybe almost beyond what I could imagine. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and this is the interesting thing too, right? Of of horse people's timeline for when and how these things should happen. You know, yeah. oh, you can start a horse in three months, and then you can get get put some miles on them, and then the horse will be good to go in one year. Like they have all these timelines for when things are supposed to happen and how fast. And then when you work with horses this way, it's it's really like you you it's the horse's body. So the horse gets to set the timeline. The horse isn't coming to us and saying, "Let's put a halter on you, Jeannie. Now let's <laughs> let's have you uh, you know." do this and do that. Like, no, it's, it's the other way around. And the horse is not in the power position. The horse doesn't have me in a fenced area at the back and bringing me food every day. So Mm -hmm. that's the whole switch around with the, the listen to your horse way, which is that we listen to the horse and the horse gets to set the pace and the horse Mm -hmm. gets to make the suggestions because it's their body, you know? And then of course, we like you you get to say um jack's not feeling really safe with that because that's my body (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and then you find your way through from there (laughs) very cool thank you kezia for sharing this amazing oh i don't even know what you call it it's it's even beyond a journey i don't it's it's like a journey combined with an initiation combined with a key test combined with a I know, and like, it's it was really just moving some horses to the neighbors, you know. Yeah. On one, on one level. So, so thank you for for letting me share all the details and and walk it through my own my own body. Yes, and and this was what it was like when the lads got on the trailer to come to you. On one mm-hmm. level, it was just get you know allowing horses to get on a trailer. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. What was going on on all of the other levels of existence was, and I just realized lately, you know what, I need to write about that and actually map it. Um, yeah. Not just for myself, but for other people too, to say this is the multi-layered existence when we get with horses in this way. And, and the spiritual component, right, of the, the, um, the spiritual challenge right? To say, can you and will you try to get bigger? Because that's what this is, these experiences are for. If we meet mm-hmm. them, and like you said, even if we just kind of muddle or we get through them and we, we've gotten so much bigger spiritually and energetically and in terms of the space we can hold and the energy that we can run and the way that we can, you know, be what this planet needs us to be, that's the whole point of it. Amen. It reminds me of that bit you sent from Carolyn Mace about the difference between fate and destiny. Mm. It's like fate is what happens to you and destiny is what happens when you step into it, when you choose to engage mm-hmm. with the movements of the universe. Yeah. And that's yeah. when it becomes co-creative. And <laughs> that's how you change walking some horses over to the neighbors into leveling up or putting some horses on the trailer into like dramatically altering the lives of multiple multiple beings yeah (laughs) you know setting all kinds of things in motion yeah that you can only track in retrospect yes stepping in destiny instead of just letting fate happen yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Thank you so much, my darling. We're going to end this podcast because we've talked a long time, but (laughs) (laughs) I had a really good time. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Hope all y'all did too. Exactly.